Before I go on, I feel that I need to make it clear that I'm not necessarily in support of spending freezes. My decision to stop buying clothes came from this deeper seated knowing that constantly shopping wasn't actually making me happy. A lot of times I believe that going on very strict spending diets are the same as going on a very strict real diet. You may get some fast results, but chances are you are going to relapse and you're going to relapse hard. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. So I think it's been probably a year and a half now or so since I shared a TikTok that went mad viral. Every time I share it, it goes viral. And I think it's because it's not only shocking, but also people are pretty shocked how relatable it is. And that's where I share how we were broke two weeks before payday. It was a consistent habit that we were in for ever, for for so many years. And it was just such an awful place to feel stuck. Now, a big part of this, of course, was... Um, our spending habits. So I definitely struggled with the shopping addiction. I would say my husband struggled with impulse spending and all around it just led to constantly living in pure chaos. But also there's that whole budgeting thing and money thing where, you know, we don't know what we don't know. I've had so many people leave snarky comments as I share my stories about downsizing or how we were in over our heads financially and say, you know, it's not that hard. You just create a budget. <laughs> it's like, well, that's easy for you to say. I love that maybe someone taught you to budget, but no one taught me. And, you know, I was doing my best as I will share with you. But in reality, you know, we were both doing the best we could. It was just living in a constant state of drowning. So I really wanted to share our story with you guys today. I wanted to share about how we were always broke two weeks before payday. And I wanted to share with you how we stopped and how we broke with the cycle. When I tell people that our family used to live broke two weeks before payday, like I said, half people are usually confused. Like, how did you manage that two weeks before payday? How? And the other half totally get it. 
My husband, Tom, used to get paid once a month, still does. So back when I was a stay-at-home mom, and while I would still work part-time occasionally, for the most part, we depended on his solo income. So no matter how hard we tried, without fail, every month we would have little to nothing in our bank account two weeks before he would get paid again. So in other words, we ate through his money twice as quickly as we should. Uh, The stress of this caused me a lot of anxiety, which then led me to like pre-plan how I would spend our next paycheck. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so anxious. And I was just like, that stress caused me to like crave like a dopamine hit, like something good, especially when you're like a stay-at-home mom. I'm not trying to like crap on motherhood, but if you've been a stay-at-home mom or just a mom or a parent in general, you know, especially those baby years can be so stressful. So not only was I stressed out, but then I would see that we had no money and I would stress out even more. And the more that kept happening, the more I just craved something to cheer me up or make me feel a little bit better. Now, thankfully, those people that we were back then, that way of living is just so foreign to us now. And I wanted to create a little how to stop being broke guide for anybody who might find themselves in a similar situation. Because if you are, there's so much shame around it. I know so many people are so embarrassed to share. And for some reason, my filter has been totally removed. I want you to know that you're not alone. And I want to let you know that there are possibilities to escaping it. First of all, try to avoid rock bottom if you can. I wish I could tell you that after a few months or even a year of living this way of paycheck to paycheck, that Tom and I realized we needed to change our ways. But the truth is, it took us years and hitting financial and emotional rock bottom before we were shook enough to make a change. As the kids got older, I started working more, which meant more money was coming in. Of course, As anyone who has ever struggled with money knows, you can never make enough money to compensate for bad money management. We stayed broke and struggling. It was simply that we had more money to spend on more things, which of course gives other people the impression that we're doing fantastic, right? And this is something to remember because I have lived it. I know I've been the Joneses, right? I've been that family that other people probably wanted to try to keep up with. Maybe, I don't know. But we were drowning. We were struggling. It wasn't coming from a place of security and peace. It was coming from a place of we have money, let's spend it. Who cares if we don't have any saved for emergencies, right? If I could offer you any piece of advice, it would be to avoid rock bottom, because a lot of people won't. So many of us tend to stay stuck in our bad spending cycles because we don't have the answers to how to get out. But I am here to give you the answer guide so you have no more excuses. Rock bottom realizations that hit me super hard were no matter how much stuff I bought, it was never enough. All-inclusive vacations weren't actually relaxing when you're still coming home to debt. Making monthly credit card payments doesn't really get you anywhere. And not knowing what you don't know is the most helpless feeling in the world. 
Now, like I said, like you know, if you've been following me for a while, is that I had to admit to myself that a big part of our problem living paycheck to paycheck was my poor spending habits. Being home with the kid or kids, depending on how many I had at the time, all day usually left me feeling antsy and craving an escape. So I would take the kids to Target just to look around and see if anything caught my eye and probably just to be around other grownups for 10 minutes. I lived for the rush I got from buying something new. A lot of times this meant stuff for the house, new outfits for the kids, even though they had plenty, and maybe the occasional clearance rack outfits for myself. There is this funny thing that shopaholics, shopping addicts, or just people in general tend to do, and that is we trick ourselves into thinking that when we buy something at a discount, we're saving money. In reality, we're still spending money. Therefore, we're saving nothing. So I would buy the kids clearance clothes and go, oh, I'm saving this. If I buy their clothes a little bit early, I'm saving money. Oh, I could buy this shirt. and It's fine because it's on clearance. So I'm actually saving money. We all know that's not really true. (laughs) It's just a nice little mind trick that stores and our brains like to trick us into thinking. And when I came to the realization that shopping and buying new stuff wasn't actually bringing me any lasting joy, I decided to go cold turkey on shopping. I created a minimalist closet for myself and only accepted hand-me-down clothes from friends. This is something I talk about in a past podcast episode about how I stopped buying clothes for three years. That is episode 49 if you want to go back and listen to it. After going through and recovering from a major shopping addiction, I wanted to create a guide to help other shopaholics ditch their bad spending habits and get their finances back on track. It's called Shopping Rehab, and it's designed to help you get familiar with your spending urges so they don't sneak up on you, practice what I call high-maintenance spending so you can ditch buyer's remorse, and keep a consistent shopping fund on hand while still beefing up your bank account. If you want to check out more about shopping rehab, you can head to the show notes. Before I go on, I feel that I need to make it clear that I'm not necessarily in support of spending freezes. My decision to stop buying clothes came from this deeper-seated knowing that constantly shopping wasn't actually making me happy. A lot of times, I believe that going on very strict spending diets are the same as going on a very strict real diet. You may get some fast results, but chances are you are going to relapse, and you're going to relapse hard. My biggest recommendation for those of you who feel you might benefit from spending less or reducing how much you shop would be to remind yourself of the stuff you want for your life that is bigger than your next purchase. One of the biggest realizations that so many of us never consider is that a lot of times we are staying broke out of habit rather than necessity. This, of course, isn't me saying that people are broke by choice or that everyone who struggles can simply make a few tweaks to find more money. Life is getting more and more expensive today. I know that. And many people are living in true poverty. That being said, let me take a moment to acknowledge the fact that I am privileged when it comes to matters of money. 
And I know this. Yes, my husband and I both came from families who struggled. We both had single moms. You know, we we had all of those basic stories, but we most definitely still had a lot of privilege that so many people don't have. My family had plenty to live on, plenty to spend, yet the habits and lifestyles that we created still kept us broke. So this is what I mean when I say that most people living in the middle class or higher oftentimes are able to free up more income by learning to live with a little bit less. So how do you free up more income? The best way to create monthly income is to review your monthly expenses to find areas where you can eliminate or cut back completely. So here are some ideas on where you can cut back that most people tend to have. Monthly subscriptions, if you've got Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney Plus, all the different subscriptions, maybe decide to just try one or two, depending on how many you have. And one thing that people do with this is go, well, it's only eight bucks a month. It's only $20 a month. But if you canceled three, you could very well easily hack out maybe 50 bucks just from cutting back your subscription memberships. Those add up and can actually make a really big difference. 50 bucks a month is an extra $600 a year. I hope I did my math right. I've never been really good at it. But there's also things like gym memberships, your entertainment spending, how much you spend on groceries, and of course, paying off your debt. By doing these things, our family was able to free up thousands of dollars each month, largely due to the fact that we were able to downsize our house and reduce our mortgage payment. Now, before I keep going, so many people go, nice, good for you. Glad you had a big house to sell. And I want to make it clear that the house we were living in actually didn't cost that much more than the house we moved into. It did reduce our mortgage payment. We also didn't make that much money on our house because we had only been in it for 18 months. Yes, we got lucky that in the sense that our house value went up in the time we lived in it, but we really didn't come out of it that far ahead. So if you're listening and you're going, well, I don't have a house to sell, time to move on. There is 100% still so many ways that even if we chose to stay in that house, we could have gotten ourselves back on track financially simply by going through those things like I listed above. Canceling monthly subscriptions, changing our gym membership, which we did from $120 a month to $53 a month. Again, those expenses add up big time. Cutting back entertainment spending. We used to go out and spend $200 on date nights. Now we do $25 date nights at the movie theater and I love them so much more. We cut back on groceries. I used to be one of those moms that was all organic, everything. The latest superfood had to be in my pantry. And now I still try to eat organic, but I also try to keep our grocery budget simple. And then, like I said, we went through the process of paying off debt. So don't think for a second, if you don't have a house to sell, that this podcast isn't for you. Now, one of the things that rarely, if ever, are discussed when it comes to money and spending is the immense benefit of practicing mindfulness and gratitude. By learning to be happy and content in each moment I was currently living in, I was able to slow down my spending impulses and my cravings for that more, 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 right? 
when you are not chasing the next high and you are rather fully living in each moment that you have, you begin to find an inner peace that slows your bad spending habits and forces you to face the real reasons you've been running from your present reality in the first place. One of the ways that I have gotten really good at practicing mindfulness is taking moments that I like and super slowing them down to like soak up all their goodness. Every night and every morning, I kid you not, I really, I highly doubt that there is a single day that I don't do this at least twice. When I first crawl into my bed at night and I feel my feet wiggling between the clean, crisp sheets and I snuggle the pillow up under my head, I whisper to my pillow, I'm like, I love you (laughs) because I love the comfort of my bed. I love pulling the blankets up against my chin. It makes me so happy. And just soaking up little moments like that can be like leave such a lasting impact. If you do that with your morning coffee, when you give your kids a hug, when you're taking a shower, there are so many little moments in life where we can begin to practice mindfulness because we just need to slow down and soak up some awesomeness. It's way easier than a lot of people might think. Now, when we were living paycheck to paycheck, my method for budgeting only included making sure we could pay our bills. And that was it. So I would get Tom's paycheck. I would go, okay, we can pay, we can pay house. We can pay phone. We can pay internet, blah, 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 done. And then whatever was left, I was like, oh, sweet. We've got so much money left. But in reality, there's so much more to consider when it comes to creating a solid financial plan. So here's a quick breakdown of how to better budget your money if you are someone who budgeted kind of like I was. Start by reviewing your previous spending to know how much you're spending and where. And oh my gosh, I bet you don't want to because I know I didn't. There are so many icky feelings that can come up with looking at your bank account because you are kind of forcing yourself to face the reality of how bad you are at spending. And I don't want to shame you because I have 100% been there. And just like those subscription memberships can get away from us, so can all those other little purchases that we make. If they're really quick and sneaky, five bucks here, 20 bucks there, 17 there, we don't think anything of it when those numbers are small, but we can be pretty shocked to see how and where they're adding up, which is why it's so important to actually take the time to go through and review where your money is really going because you might not know. Next, budget for every single dime you spend. And that means if you are really in the habit of spending six bucks at Starbucks every three days, go ahead and try to fit it into your budget. At least you won't be blindsided by it. Don't forget about things like entertainment, out to eat, gas, car, home repairs, etc. And then make adjustments to areas where you are spending more than you want to. I always stick with the Starbucks example just because... Starbucks is one of those things where we just, it's a quick treat. It's a quick treat. It's a quick treat. But like all small purchases, that $6 here, $10 there can add up to be pretty shocking. So if you go in and you're like, oh my gosh, I spent $200 last month on Starbucks. I had no idea that I spent that much at Starbucks. And If I'm like doing the coffee and budgeting stereotype, let me quickly pause and say that I had this realization for Taco Bell and the liquor store. 
I was like, holy crap, we spent so much money on booze and we would maybe like make a few drinks out of it. I would just get so excited about making fun, fruity drinks on the weekend. And then like the next weekend, I'd be like, I'm bored. I want a different fun, fruity drink. So we had spent so much money at liquor stores. It was ridiculous and gross. What we could have done, what you can do if this is happening to you is to make a more modest budget. So if you spent $200 at Starbucks last month and you don't want to spend that much, maybe make a goal to spend $100 at Starbucks. If that feels too tight, go for $150. Set a more realistic goal for the areas that you're spending. So like I said, you're not blindsided and doing this is giving yourself permission to spend. Now, one of the biggest ways to free up more money each month, as most of us probably know, is to set a plan a plan to pay off your debt. This was something my family and I did, and we were able to pay off over $6,000 in just six months. We used the debt snowball method to pay off um, our debt, and this, this method is made popular by Dave Ramsey. So we went through the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace uh, program through our church, and A lot of people question Dave's methods because like I talked about in last week's podcast episode, sometimes when we go into goal setting mode, we can kind of develop that like anxiety and panic that actually makes setting our goals way harder. And that was actually, that was true to how I felt with Dave Ramsey. Um, He was a financial person who knew what he was talking about. I was a person who was always broke, who didn't know what I was talking about. So I took his word as gold. And I am so thankful, so, 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 so thankful for the lessons that he taught me. I'm so thankful for the budgeting tips, for him giving me a step-by-step plan. Uh, But he definitely gives a lot of, you shouldn't be spending any extra money, pay off this debt, blah, blah, that kind of thing. And that might have worked for elder generations. It's definitely not working for ours. So while Dave Ramsey might be getting some hate these days, please know that a lot of his methods have a really great laid out plan. And the debt snowball method is most definitely one of them. So here's a quick breakdown of how this method works. The first thing you're going to do is free up an extra $200 per month. This was something I had heard for years while we struggled with being broke. I would hear this. Oh my gosh, $200 per month. Like we had gone to several churches at the time and each church would mention Dave Ramsey at least once a year. And they would share this plan, this $200 extra per month to pay off debt. And here I was complaining about being poor and broke and hating my debt, but going, oh my gosh, I could never come up with $200 per month. However, like I said, a lot of our middle-class, upper-class families, we do have $200 per month. We just don't want to give it up. Least I know that that's true for me. I would complain about that $200 and then we would hit up the local coffee shop on the way home, spending easily $30 for our family of five to get cocoa and coffee. Now, once you find the $200 per month, apply this amount to your smallest debt along with that debt's current minimum payment. So for us, it was an Amazon card. Our Amazon card was at a $30 per month minimum payment. We took our 200 to make it a $230 payment each month. Then you continue making these minimum payments on all your other debts. So I kept putting 100 toward my student loans, 400 toward the car, 
things like that while we were working to pay off just the Amazon card. Then once you've paid off your smallest debt, for us, that was the Amazon card, take the amount you were paying and begin applying it to your next smallest debt. So for example, we were putting $230 per month toward Amazon. I then took that $230 and began applying it to my $100 student loan to for $330 per month. Now you can maybe kind of see why this is called the debt snowball. And if this is really confusing and overwhelming, I actually have a guide to how the debt snowball works. You can click on that in the show notes to literally see the step-by-step guide, get a free printout and fill it out in a way that works for you. Now, one of the toughest parts, at least for me, was learning how to shift my mindset and habits around spending. I slowly gained the tools I needed to better manage my money, but breaking the bad spending habits and negative beliefs were super, super difficult. So the best tips that I have for healing a broken relationship with money are to stop judging or condemning those who have more money than you. This is something we are all probably guilty of. Oh, must be nice. Look at them. Oh, I can't believe they spent money on that. The more you judge people who have more than you, the more you are keeping money pushed away from you. Next up, understand where your desire to spend is coming from. Why are you so quick to spend money? The second I had money in my pocket, oh my gosh, I couldn't wait to spend it. I just wanted to get it out of my life. Pause yourself and ask why. If I'm saying that I want money, how come I am so quick to be like, I have money, what can I do with it? And then... Try to get comfortable with watching money sit or grow in your bank account. That instant impulse that I used to get, or like that, not really impulse, what's the word, like that urge, that hit, that dopamine boost that I used to get from instantly spending cash, I switched to enjoying the feeling of watching me shift that money into a bank account or an investment account that was going to make that money grow. And lastly, find guidance and teachings that encourage you to pursue a life bigger than stuff. Like I said, if you struggle financially with overspending or shopping impulses, check out my shopping rehab course. It is completely designed to teach you how to get back on track in a way that still feels fun and freeing. And if you need help paying off debt, check out the show notes below because I have a totally free guide on how you can go through the process of the debt snowball. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love until next time.